Welcome, this is William Evans, and you are listening to a Living World Conversation with Katrina Blair from Durango, Colorado. Katrina was recently in Carbondale explaining her organic weed management skills and philosophy for three days at Dandelion Day. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you so much. How did you feel about your visit to Carbondale? I felt very rewarded and inspired by the community and the deliberate effort of care that I've witnessed over the years, and in particular this last visit. There feels to me like an incredible team and council of of land stewards in Carbondale, and I was really delighted to be a part of that. Wow, that's wonderfully positive. Were were there any particularly significant experiences or moments you feel would be appropriate to share? Well, I felt an incredible receptivity and openness to learn by the Parks and Rec staff. And I also felt an immense amount of gratitude from some of the community members who've been stewarding the land over years and getting to witness a continuation of the chemical-free approach. Well, I've recently corresponded with Eric Brendlinger, Parks and Recreation Director for Carbondale, and asked what his sense was following your visit. Great. And he he reported um, your techniques and, more importantly, your philosophy was well-received, and there's been some staff buy-in. And he, he said people are starting to work with, with non-chemical alternatives, and he asked me to publicly share that chemical-free techniques are being used in, in Carbondale's parks. That's fantastic. Yes, that's what we love to hear. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely it is. At this point in time, do you have any suggestions for how to help keep this opportunity growing? Yes, I would recommend the community stay involved in an active way, and that might look like further education. Perhaps there's people who could offer plant walks or opportunities in the park, but also either a monthly or even weekly gathering of people, even for just one hour, that might be willing to pick 
of these wild plants that the town doesn't want to see there, such as the Canada thistle or the toad flax, because it's so simple to just kind of clip them down and then their presence isn't noticed. And they're still actually benefiting the land, but they're not creating a bother. So having a community effort to go and harvest these two plants, both for medicine or simply for mulch um, before they flower, would just show the town and the parks and rec departments how much people care and that their effort is is supporting this bigger vision. Now, there are specific plants that have uh, their own unique characteristics, and pulling Canada thistle is not particularly helpful. Well, you don't want to disturb the roots, but it's fine to cut back the tops before they flower or before they go to seed. Can actually pulling Canada thistle spread the problem? If you disturb its roots, then it will tend to create more shoots because it has these runners, the roots that run horizontally in the soil. So it can then get stimulated to shoot up new roots. But if you just clip the above part, then the plant does just send up another plant, you know, another green, with the intention, of course, of flowering. But if people on a weekly basis continue to just keep the above parts cut down, then it will diminish its presence. So what I hear is it takes time and an unwavering commitment and the right kind of technique. Yeah, and one of the techniques that we really shared with the town parks and rec department and the community that was participating was all the efforts that we do to nourish the soil and stabilize the soil and add diversity works in the long run. So any efforts that the town does that adds fertility, such as adding compost tea or the mycelium in something we created called the fungal soup, those are all going to add in the long run this stabilized and fertile ground where the pioneer species, which are toad flax and Canada thistle, they're not, that's not their niche anymore. Once it gets more fertile and stable, then it's these other succession plants that get established. So all the effort that the the town is making towards those means of fertilizing, stabilizing, and then of course adding seeds, which is diversifying, the park is going to naturally kind of create its own ecosystem balance. Right. And so every year that's only going to improve. And that's the beautiful thing about interrupting or completely not going down the chemical path because, unfortunately, that just takes everyone back 10 steps because it is a severe disturbance to the microorganisms in the soil and the stability. And so it's exciting that they understood that core concept and are going towards the life force path of supporting the microorganisms and the ecosystem of that place. Right. Well, for me, a a really meaningful part of your visit was when we conversed about the core concepts of the Turtle Lake Community Farm in Durango. Yes. And you actually ask students to sign an agreement with those eight concepts. Tell us more. Yes. So we have a, a living community at the Turtle Lake Farm, and there's There's residents that live here and also students and interns and guests that come through. 
and we're sharing this these core concepts that ask us to be students to the the nature wisdoms to the elemental wisdoms to uh, be caretakers of this land and to be willing to communicate and be part of the group process and to put our efforts towards quality of life for all beings. And so there's this collective alignment that we're asking everyone to grow into, including myself. It's a, it's a journey of life. And if people align with it, then they sign in and participate in this journey. And there's a lot of learning there. And even guests who might just stay for a night or a week, they get to also participate in this process of, of deep listening to the land and, and that beautiful exchange that comes with a feeling of belonging to a place and to a people and to a time. Yes. Well, specifically, Concept 7 is to commit to the community vision of health for ourselves, each other, and the planet. Yes. How many years have you been working with this concept of a community vision of health? Well, actually, with Turtle Lake Refuge, which is our nonprofit in Durango, our mission is to celebrate the connection between personal health and wild land. And this concept came about in 1998, and that's been our focus with everything we do, and the farm is part of that. So my personal concept of health is the closer we can be to the wisdom of nature, the healthier we are. In my experience, nature is one of the greatest teachers, the wild animals, the ecosystems, the way nature's intelligence balances itself. And if we can align with that and observe it and mimic it, imitate it, the closer we can move in towards a sustainable reciprocal relationship that is health to me. Well, I certainly know from the short visits I've had to Turtle Lake that the, the vision of health is alive there, and from what I learn, it's also growing in the town of Durango, especially with your organic management of the public parks. That's right. It's a fun success that this year the, the city of Durango decided to have Be Happy Lands, which is our organic land stewardship project, manage the entire Animas River Trail, which is 14 miles. Wow. And we're going to be doing that the same way we uh, advise Carbondale to care for the dog park, which is through, you know, adding that fertility of soil amendments and the stability of the, the mycelium and the underground fungal communities, getting inoculated and stronger, and then adding the seeds so there's more diversity of some of the more native flowering and grasses getting established. When you were here, did you get a sense that there's a a community vision of health alive in Carbondale? I very, very much did, yes. That's something that's very perceptible to me when I come into a community that has been caring consistently for years and years and years. And that's a very tactile um, feeling that I had, even coming to the dog park and feeling, wow, this place, people really show up in a caring way with good practices. Yeah. This is KDNK, and you are listening to a conversation with Katrina Blair. 
to commit to the community vision of health for ourselves, each other, and the planet. In a time of confusion and distractions, remembering where we want to go is fundamental. Yes. And so at this time, maintaining balance is essentially the key to traveling toward a vision of health because there are a multitude of ways to veer off course. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so the journey all starts with commitment. We, we commit our total balanced beingness in a direction and not just in any direction, but tightly focused toward the specific destination at which we want to arrive. Beautiful. Yes. So what is commitment? What does that mean to you? If, if you're not totally committed, you won't make it. Yeah, commitment to me means that single-pointed focus where we return again and again to reminding ourselves, to remembering the essence of that goal or the vision that we want to see happen. And it doesn't always mean it's going to happen instantly or right away. It just means that we're going to return back to it and keep affirming it or adding energy and believing that it's, it's where we can go. What does community mean to you? Community is, for me, a experience of belonging to each other, where we, we need each other almost like a beehive. Each one of us wouldn't survive on our own, but together we can actually uh, thrive. And so a community is, is letting ourselves be needed and needing both. Like that vulnerability of that exchange is where the power is. And what is health? And health is moving towards the life force path. I guess that's, for me, something that I look towards. And and the life force path might be, well, where's the most vital energy in our food? Where's the most alive wisdom in our water? And where is our community having that exchange of belonging to each other? And how do we cultivate that more so that our efforts of living go towards increasing this vitality of life force in all these dimensions, whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual, there's this exchange that we're in, and I love how you say this, Will, but we're an active participant in the world, in the living world story. Right. Well, I certainly took note when I heard someone say, health is my North Star. Mm, beautiful. Because in the in the Northern Hemisphere, the North Star is, for most of time, has been the key navigational guide. Right, and it doesn't move. I think there's a, a beauty to its stableness. Right. You can always find it. Yes. I, I'm reading something right now that says, a quote and a picture that I drew, but it says, Good intentions always manifest beyond your wildest dreams. And so when you asked about how do, we, how do we create health and what's our you know, experience of community, I think starting with our good intention, but then keeping it alive by you know, actualizing and participating in it and returning to that vision again and again daily 
as often as we can. Sometimes we forget, but returning again. Yes, intention is is critical because uh, it's it's easy in an overwhelming time to think you can't control your health and influence it, but in fact you really can, and you do every day and many moments in every day with the choices you make. That's absolutely true, and it's so important that we remember that it can be like in an instant going from a even sort of an overwhelm or a depressed state of mind to that inspiration again. And it might just be as simple as going out and observing an insect on a flower, and we'll get that renewal, or going down to the river and sitting by the river and getting recharged by the, the negative ions that align our body, or eating a fresh you know, piece of food picked from the land or the garden. There's so many ways that that instantaneous health can refresh our being. Well, and this is a lovely time to pick dandelions and enjoy their taste. It's really true. Well, their greens are so powerful. More calcium than milk. <laughs> the lovely um, dimension I noticed in our talking was uh, when we speak respectfully about health, there's a richness and brightness to the health that grows as more people shine the light of their own experience and beliefs mm. on our one objective and intention. Mm. That's right. There is a momentum that grows when more of us contribute and share a vision of health together. That is powerful. And I do feel that in Carbondale. Yeah, and I hear I hear such an amazing diversity. One person said to me, I... I measure my health by how I feel when I go to bed and how I feel when I wake up. <laughs> Beautiful. And I thought that's pretty simple and pretty well, pretty well said. Yeah. We have so much to learn from each other's experiences of health. I love being a student to that from each other. Yes, I do too. So we become our story. Mm. Say more about that. Well, the story we tell ourselves is if our story is we are traveling toward health for our children's children, then that becomes the organizational principle of the community. Yeah. What we, what we choose to focus on becomes our primary reality. Yes. That's very empowering because we all get to choose. We can remember that we, we have the empowered option of choosing. And one of the characteristics of the nature park is it's it's a park, but it's also got some wild qualities. Say more about the relationship between health and wildlands. The more that I've experienced, the more that we take care of a place, the more it resonates health to us. So the more that we allow a place to have its wild integrity, there's an intelligence that naturally balances itself, that renews, that builds. And then when we get to go and visit that place or live in that place, we're going to be resonating from that vibration of health that the land is giving to us. And then as the land gives us more health, we have more energy to be even better stewards of the land and care for the land. And that might look like, you know, learning to eat from the land rather than 
bring our food from far away, realizing how much abundance grows locally and how do we stay in a good relationship with those foods and medicines so they come back year after year and sustain a community's health. And so there's this constant exchange that the more healthy I am, the more I'm going to care for the earth, and the more healthy the earth is, it's going to care for me. And eating from the wild dimension of the land is a little bit like having a wild child. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. It's, uh, it tests my tolerances and my ability to uh, keep my balance. And yet, in a time when I'm subjected to all these domesticating influences and dictates and mandates and directives, nourishing myself in the wild is really a, an alive way to stay. That's right. It it reminds us of our own intuition and instinct and integrity. And there's something about that that we can't be told, you know, there's there's not a mandate that says this is the way it actually comes from within it, a knowing. And so keeping that alive, and for me, staying as close to nature helps me keep that alive. So I don't get distracted from the bigger patterns that may not be sustainable that we can witness in our society or sometimes our community. But it, it's also a very discerning and wise approach to the wild lands because there are things out there you don't want to eat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, if, if you eat the wrong thing and too much of it, it'll take you out. Right. So in as we might call it, rewilding ourselves or minimizing our own domestication there's a slow process of relearning what can we eat from the earth and how much. And if we go very, <clears throat> if we go very slow, then we keep ourselves safe. And if we learn a few plants, such as poison hemlock, okay, don't eat that. Don't eat something that looks like parsley until you're 110% sure. You know, there's ways that we can prevent um, getting very sick from the wild. Luckily, more plants are edible than not, which is to our favor, but we still have to be wise and go slow. Absolutely. Anything special happening at Turtle Lake that you want to tell us about? Mm. Well, there's this continual process of deepening our belonging to the, our place and each other and how do we be good stewards. So I'm in conversation of that with others and with the land and with the community and so right now, what's alive is, is actually just a, a simple rhythm where there's nothing big coming. We had our big dandelion festival in Durango on May 6th, the weekend before Dandelion Days in Carbondale. Right. And that was a beautiful coming together and honoring the spring. And now we're sort of entering into the rhythm of summer, of some of the rains and letting the gardens grow and the flowers are happening and the bees are pollinating. So there's this really beautiful song that is rhythmic and nourishing. That's, that's what's most alive here. And are you uh, in, a, in a stronger place with water? Is there some relief from the drought that you've been in the last few years? Well, yeah, we've gotten two years of incredible rain and snow. So there is a little relief there and the plants are thriving. There's this one, I have some wild asparagus, and there's 
a place where the wild asparagus was as fat as I've ever seen it <laughs> this year from the deep drink that it got from the spring and the winter. Beautiful. And are, are you going to put in corn this year? Yes, we are. The Hopi corn. The blue Hopi corn. Yes. And do you have a modification of how you're working with it? How did it go last year? Well, we had a really uh, beautiful corn harvest last year, but it was in a place that we watered. And the place that I didn't water, um, we planted it a little too deep, and it didn't come up. So there's a learning of how I am with a dry land corn planting. Right. Um, and that's, uh, that's I get to keep practicing and learning. So I will do it again this year. And and then we'll also plant corn, and we do a corn and a bean and a squash combination of the three sisters and amaranth as well in a place that we do water. So we'll do that as well, but because part of our farm is completely dry land now, I'm a student to that journey of how do we grow food without subsidizing water. Beautiful. Well, I have a lot of gratitude um, to you, Will, and to the incredible strength that I feel in Carbondale and the community of people that I've gotten to engage with over the years. And uh, my gratitude actually also goes that you've chosen Dandelion as your town flower, and that was a big inspiration to me when we started the Dandelion Festival in Durango many years after you had already claimed dandelions were reason to celebrate, and that gave me a lot of hope and that honestly, still, Carbondale is a model to me as a community how you can be a no, a, a no chemical town with your town park that hasn't been sprayed for 30 years or the five ball fields that are still being managed organically without chemical influence. And many, many towns could model after this very wise and steady example that you in Carbondale are, are doing. So I really just have a lot of appreciation and gratitude for your efforts. Well, we appreciate you too, Katrina. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to a Living World Conversation with Katrina Blair about a community vision of health. This is KDNK. Thank you for listening. We sang this song on Mother's Day about a turtle and the connection that we have all together. I'm the mama turtle, I'm the Gaia Mother Earth. I'm the mama ocean, I'm the waters of your birth. Can you feel our wholeness? Can you feel the fullness that we are, that we are? When I take a deep breath of the spring mountain air, I can taste all the flavors of beings everywhere. Can you feel our wholeness? Can you feel the fullness that we are, that we are? I've got a life force of fire burning deep within my soul, healing and creating and making us. Can you feel our wholeness? Can you feel?